Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. I'm Kat Royer. I'm Liz Bronson. Kat, what'd you just say? I was welcoming our listeners to the podcast, Liz. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about active listening in the workplace. And hopefully the information will help you to communicate more effectively in both your work life and your personal life, too. So what do you mean by that? Well, one of the best things we can do for our career is to practice active listening. So active listening is a technique that's used in counseling, training, and mediation, you know, when people are trying to solve disputes and conflict. It requires that the listener fully concentrate, understand, respond, and then remember what's being said. Sounds pretty easy, right, Liz? Oh, yeah, it's a breeze. You know, it does sound easy, but you take a look at how busy we are today and how easily it is to be distracted by deadlines and other information and other things on our to-do list. So active listening, at least having the goal of active listening, requires that we become fully present for each conversation we have. The way that I look at it is that active listening is a practice. So the more we do it, the better we get at it. So it sounds easy, and when we can keep our distractions at bay, it's pretty simple. One of my favorite tools for active listening is asking the person speaking to tell me more. If they're talking about problems or challenges, I want to be able to get them to fully lay out the problem so that we can begin to, together, come up with a solution. But ideally, the person talking, if, you know, if you're a manager and you're talking to your employee, the whole idea is to empower the employee to come up with some solutions. Mm-hmm. And, and to support them in that. And when we can empower our employees, they thrive and we also establish trust. And both of those things are pretty pretty good benefits of active listening, if you ask me. A hundred percent. And as you said a little earlier, we can use this in our personal lives. I use these tools as a parent a lot. Um, tonight, uh, yeah. it's a really critical tool. And it's also hard. Look, I'm a New Englander. I'm an interrupter. If I think I know what you're saying, I'm just going to cut you off and keep on going because some of us, that's it's innate and we're not being rude or dismissive or any of the other yucky things. Our brains are just on full throttle. And so when you are mindfully practicing active listening, you fight those urges and don't let them happen as much. Mm -hmm. And when we talked with Alexis Picorni in episode 14 about mindfulness, she mentioned listening to everything someone says before responding. And today we're going to kind of go one step further and talk about how to get more out of conversations by listening, responding versus coming in with a strictly prescribed agenda. So going off script today, Kat. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So when we're listening, the job of the listener is to collect information and to really kind of understand what's being said. Some of the techniques for active listening are paraphrasing, Mm -hmm. summarizing, questioning, and clarifying. Those are all examples of active listening techniques. And when we're actually listening, it's pretty easy to do those things. It's pretty easy to say, you know, paraphrasing is, let me just make sure I understand what you're saying. And then you say the words back to the person. And that way the person 
can confirm, yes, she understands what I'm saying. Or mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to say, yeah, you've got A and B right, but the, the the piece that's missing is C. So it really, by paraphrasing, it shows that we're trying to listen. Mm-hmm. And then it also helps the person to clarify. Mm-hmm. I do this all the time in interviewing when someone is talking about what they like to do or their current job. I'll say, so let me... I'm not technical. Mm-hmm. Let me get this straight. So you like to mix the technical and writing and what you really like to do is blogs and videos, but you're not a real in-depth technical writer. Is that what I'm hearing? And sometimes I'm like, no, I yes. am a really in-depth technical writer. What were you listening to? And other times they will confirm that I was hearing correctly. But especially when you're in a conversation that isn't your subject matter expertise, asking mm-hmm. that kind of clarifying question or repeating back to ensure understanding is a way to make sure that you're getting the information that is trying to be given to you. Exactly. So Liz, you know, in interviewing, both in building your team and also when you're interviewing to get a new role, what are some of the things to look out for? Oh my gosh. Answer the question. People, please answer <laughs> the mm-hmm. question. I had mm-hmm. an awesome candidate today who I went to bat and said, this person is killer, didn't answer the questions. And the questions were like, what do you look for when you hire people? I mean, they were, in my opinion, softballs. And the person started, instead of saying, oh, well, I look for these attributes and this is how I interview mm-hmm. for them and those things, the person started talking about comp payments and stuff. Uh. It was not It didn't go well. Mm -hmm. And the reason it didn't go well is that person didn't listen to the question and answer it. And if they thought for some reason that the question about how do you build a team was about comp, they should have maybe asked a question to make sure they understood it. So when interviewing, either interviewing a person or being interviewed, make sure that the questions being asked are being answered. Mm-hmm. And ask a clarifying question if you don't know what they asked. Amen. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> See, great minds think alike. <laughs> Nothing wrong with saying, "Hey, let me make sure I've got this correct." You're asking me this, and asking those clarifying questions can be a good tool in interviews if you don't exactly have the answer to give yourself time to come up with an answer. So don't be afraid to ask questions as long as they're applicable. Totally. And you know, what's also interesting is sometimes people say, if I say, tell me about the best team you're on. And they might say, can I tell you about two great teams I was on? Because they were great for different reasons. Mm. Sure. Give me more data. I love that. Now, don't give me five teams. I'm going <laughs> to cry, you know, into yeah. my video don't, call. Don't go through your resume and chronologically discuss oh every team you've ever worked with. Because that's not the question. Yeah. The question is, tell me about a great team you worked on. And if you can't whittle down every team you've been on to one team or maybe two because they were so different yet so wonderful, you're not answering the question and Mm -hmm. I'm going to want to cry. So I would say that is the key to successful interviewing. And Also, if you don't know the answer, it's okay. Or you can't Mm -hmm. think of an example, it's okay to say that. It really is. Absolutely. And then you can always follow up afterwards. Mm -hmm. But I think that learning how to be fully present for a conversation and learning how to utilize active listening more often 
-hmm. Look at it as a practice. You're not going to be perfect when you first start, but the more you can try to bring all of yourself to the conversation, Mm -hmm. the more you're going to be able to help either your colleague or your employees or even your boss Mm -hmm. help them solve the problems. (laughs) And guess what? People who are helpful in solving problems and solution focused, Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. are the people that get promoted, not the people that aren't present and complain a lot or stay focused on the problem. Totally. You know, one of the most interesting things I've participated in, and I've done it a few times, is I've been interviewed by product managers who were trying to build a product and build a recruiting product. So they Mm -hmm. talked to me as a recruiting person to find out what I would want in this product. And the questions they asked were so detailed and deep that they really got to the root of my process and what I need and what I don't need. And it was so interesting to be questioned that way because if they had just asked, what would you look for in an applicant tracking system? They never would have gotten the depth of information that they got through, well, why do you like scrolling versus tabs or whatever? Mm And so by asking the scrolling versus tabs question, they could actually design the product that I actually want to use. And if we think about whatever we're asking about, especially in an interview scenario as a product, the job is a product, what exactly do I need? And go more granular or the product is the interviewee and what do they need in a job? What do I need to know about them and their needs to make them successful? Mm-hmm. The more granular you get, not like how many desks do you need to be from the bathroom or whatever, <laughs> but the more I can see if my job will set them up for success. Excellent. Excellent. I think one of the best things we can do is to be present so that mm-hmm. people know that you hear them mm-hmm. and understand their perspective. I mean, we may not be able to make everyone happy all the time, but hearing someone and letting them know that you understand their perspective and that you are listening, that's going to establish trust right away. Mm -hmm. And also it establishes rapport. And it's just going to be so much easier to work together on a team if you have trust and rapport. Totally. I mean, Kat, isn't this basically the rule in all conversations? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, in order to be effective, we need to allow others to talk while we listen. Mm -hmm. That's a skill that, you know, if you're not great at it now, that's okay. We're all starting where we're starting. But to have the intention to develop that skill and to practice things like paraphrasing and asking questions, all of that will contribute to the skill. Mm -hmm. As a manager, you want to empower your people to communicate effectively. So you've got to listen to them when they're explaining Mm -hmm. a scenario. Mm -hmm. Asking them to tell me more is super, super helpful. And it's Mm -hmm. also important to ask questions that help you to understand more fully. But Mm -hmm. that's not enough. Once you think you understand what the person's saying, then you want to paraphrase to make Mm -hmm. sure. Because sometimes we're thinking something, and unless we validate that what we're thinking is what they're trying to say through a paraphrase, then you're not on the same page until you've validated that. Mm -hmm. So the stuff is not that hard. It just requires a little bit of practice and it can make such a huge difference in your relationships and also your effectiveness at work. Mm -hmm. It's back to school time for everybody. And you see a lot of lists, like instead of asking your kid, how was your day? Ask them, what's something funny that happened? Some tell Mm -hmm. me about one thing you learned today. What surprised you today? And there's all these lists, Google it, but 
I notice if I say to my kids, how was your day? Fine, good. I get nothing. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your day. Boring. You know, you yeah. name it. Mm-hmm. Or I hear the anecdote about what happened in theater tech with the Alice in Wonderland costume. Fantastic. But like, seriously, did you learn math? I don't know. Right. But when I ask more pointed questions, like, teach me something you learned today. Or what was the experiment in science today? I get mm-hmm. data. <laughs> You also are preparing them to answer the questions that you're asking, right? You're, yes. you're, you're really specific about your questions, so you're not going to let them off the hook. Because <laughs> how many times have you, I can remember being asked as a kid, what'd you learn in school today? Oh, I don't know. Okay. But had I been asked that on a regular basis and was expected to come up with an answer, mm-hmm. I probably would have performed a little differently. Maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe, well, I would hope so. What if you don't know the answer? Like, especially if you're in a big meeting or in front of a bunch of peers and you're like, uh, I don't know. Hey, the best policy is always honesty, right? Mm -hmm. And you can say, hey, you know, I don't know the answer to that question specifically, but let me do some research and I'll loop back with you tomorrow. I'll make Mm -hmm. sure to follow up with everyone at the table tomorrow. Ask the table, does anyone else have an answer there? Like include the people at the table. (laughs) But there's nothing wrong with saying I don't have the answer. 100%. And to say, I'll redo the research and get back to you, and then you better do it. That's top of the to do. Mm -hmm. And you can just send it to everyone in the meeting, like to follow up on the question about XYZ. Here's the data. It takes real maturity to to admit when you don't know something, but that actually helps build respect because the know it all who's full of hot air gets no respect. And, you know, the older I get, the more I know I don't what I don't know. It's a lot. Yep. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. I agree. So what do you think is a good question? I mean, it depends on the context. We're talking life. We're talking all of it. I think the best questions are questions that have an answer that someone can access. I don't like questions that are super vague and are really pointed and that is going to make somebody feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I like questions that need an explanatory answer versus a yes, no answer. I mean, sometimes you need a yes, no. But if you're really trying to dig, you want an answer that the person will feel like they need to explain. Like the question you just asked me, I feel like I need to explain my answer versus Mm -hmm. just say good ones Mm -hmm. are behavioral. Well, they're not always behavioral. There's good questions get a deep, rich answer that help move the conversation forward. Absolutely. I think when you're in a team and problem solving, I think asking members of the team, what do you think Mm -hmm. is a good question for that context? Because people want to be able to share their opinions Mm -hmm. and their ideas. And even if you don't pick them, at least they feel listened to. And that's that's really important. Well, and I think what you touch on, it, it may be inadvertently, is that if you go around the room that brings out the introverts, that brings mm-hmm. out everybody. Mm-hmm. You don't just have Ms. or Mr. Blabbermouth that always is answering and we all know their opinions. You get everybody's perspective and a diverse team perspective will only make whatever you're working on stronger. So if you start a project or start a meeting, or it depends on the situation clearly, but making sure everyone is in the room is giving their perspective, it's going to make whatever your goal attainment is so much stronger. And by the way, if you don't need someone's opinion in the room, 
don't waste their time. Mm-hmm. Just, a, just a little tidbit, not related to the conversation. Mm-hmm. True, true. So Liz, how do you advise people to come up with questions on the fly? Like it's easy to come up with ready questions. Like, you know, when we advise people to interview, we, you know, we advise people to come with their list of questions that match up with their ideal job list or the the qualities that are important in a manager for them. But how do you come up with questions during the active listening and discovery process? What do you do? Well, I think that that's kind of what active listening is so great for. So I think there are general topics. If I make a meeting with you, Kat, to talk about my social media plan, I want to talk about social media Mm -hmm. and hopefully leave that meeting with a better idea of where I'm going with my social media. We've wasted our time or maybe we've had a great other conversation. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But so you have a general topic, but I think that as the conversation goes, if you're listening to what the other person is saying, asking those clarifying questions, asking them to further what they're mm-hmm. talking about, it may go in a different direction. And you may learn something different about them that you wouldn't learn about necessarily if you stuck to your prescribed questions. Mm-hmm. And I see this in recruiting a lot. More junior recruiters, they need the list. And they stick to the list. And sometimes as they grow or get more confidence, they'll say, oh, tell me more or something like that. But they won't hear the person say, oh, and I loved getting into the nitty gritty analytics. And maybe say, you said you'd love to get into the nitty gritty. Are you really more of an analytical person? Is that where you really get mm-hmm. your drive when you, are you really more of a data science person, even though you've been a tech writer for your whole career? Actually, yes, I just worked on this project and I was using our our metrics tracking and you go in a different direction. You're like, well, that's where your passion is. Maybe Mm -hmm. you go with that. Kat, I'm sure you do this in coaching. I know I do this in coaching all the time. That's what coaching is. Yeah. Is getting them to figure out what they want to do next Mm -hmm. or how whatever Mm -hmm. they're stuck with with is why they hire us. What do we need to get out of them to go to the next step. Mm -hmm. Somewhere deep inside, we know Mm -hmm. what the next step is, but sometimes we need help uncovering that and questions can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I first learned about asking probing questions. I mean, I suppose I did it. I recruited for a few years before I was trained in behavioral interviewing, Mm -hmm. but that's when I became really aware of keep on probing until I either discover that this person indeed does have the behavioral competency I'm searching for, or I've tried five different ways to get at this competency and I just can't validate that they have it. But I think that we were taught to just keep on probing until you can confirm or not validate. (laughs) Right. Or say you don't know. I mean, I presented the candidate the other day and I said, I am still unsure about their teamwork skills. I think we need to probe further. There is a reason why someone doesn't talk to me and get an offer. They Mm -hmm. talk to a lot of people and we have certain competencies that we want to make sure they have in order Mm -hmm. to do the job. If I'm unsure about one, I say so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's important to pay attention, you know, like you say, to pay attention to the questions that pop up Mm -hmm. uh, during the conversation, whether it's an interview or just a regular work meeting, right? These skills can be applied in any conversation. So, you know, if a question pops up, pay attention to it because that may be a question that you should ask. Well, I mean, I was talking to someone who works for me uh, last week, I think it was, and they said, oh, I was focused on this this week. And I said, well, 
that's great that you were focused on that, but I ask you to focus a certain amount of hours on these 10 things every week. Were you only focused on that one thing or were you also doing the other things that I'm asking you to do? And then they had to clarify and stammer a little. But um, (laughs) that's because I was listening to their words and clarifying. And maybe the answer was, no, we did everything equally. I just was thinking about that that project more or something, but I had to ask the clarifier because I needed to make sure that everything was getting done. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this active listening is going to be done on the fly. Your, your follow-up and feedback is going to be done on the fly because you're reacting to what they say. Mm-hmm. Which is why you're going to be more effective if you're not glancing at your phone every two seconds or checking your email or thinking about your to-do list as much as possible. Try to be here now in the conversation you're in. It's just when we can actually do that, it's magical. You know, I got to tell you, Kat, I've learned from some amazing leaders that I've worked with and they're CEOs of companies and they've Mm -hmm. got a few things going on. And when I talk with them, I feel like I'm the only person in their life. Mm -hmm. Like Uh I'm the only thing they ever think about all day and all night (laughs) is what I need for them because they are fully focused on our conversation. So how dare I check Twitter on the other Mm -hmm. monitor while we're having, if they're not, I shouldn't either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I learned from that and I really try to practice that myself because I want to treat others how I want to be treated. But the power of a good conversation that's two ways that has involves both people doing active listening, you're going to get so much more done. Absolutely. Um, so Kat, when can you come in with a list of questions? Well, we've always said consistently on the show when we've been talking about interviewing is come to your interview with a prepared list of questions. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, you want to have questions about the job, questions about the company culture, questions about the management style, all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. But then you're going to want to have questions as you're active listening. So that's when you pay attention to the questions that pop up in your head. Mm-hmm. And then you validate that too. You know, I mean, if you have a question that pops into your head about, you know, what kind of pizza you're going to have tonight, obviously you're not going to, you're not going to ask, you know, you don't want to ask that question, but keep it, you know, keep it as much as possible directed and let, if you're interviewing, let the interviewer manage the interview, mm-hmm. you know, let them keep control of the interview. And they should ask you for questions. But if you hear a red flag, follow up. If they say, oh, I haven't taken vacation in two years. Absolutely. What is the company's vacation policy? Do you feel encouraged to take a break? Mm -hmm. Legit. If you're going to be working there, you need to know that. Absolutely. There are lots of companies that offer unlimited PTO now. Mm -hmm. And you know, if I was interviewing for a company like that, I would be asking some questions. So tell me about that. How is that policy working out? And how much vacation did you take last year? Yeah. Does it work in reality? It's great Mm -hmm. on paper, but does Mm -hmm. it work? Do they encourage it? Mm -hmm. And creatively, Kat, how does it help with the creative process? Active listening helps so much in the creative process because it helps you really figure out what, you know, what the needs are, whether you're talking with a customer or you're looking at a problem, but it helps you to, to isolate what the, the challenge or the needs or the problems are. And then you can build a framework once you're really clear on the actual issues. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I see happen is that 
you know, people will not listen fully and come out of a meeting or a conversation without everyone being on the same page. Mm -hmm. And that is a recipe for disaster when you're running a project, right? Or when you're part of a project team and not everyone is clear on the objectives. Oh, great. The whole team is all doing different things that mm -hmm. aren't going to come together. Fantastic. I mean, what Mm -hmm. a waste. So that's where active listening skills and Mm -hmm. asking questions come in handy even if you're just a member of a team, right? It does, you don't have to be a leader of a company to practice active listening and to actually help a project be more effective. Every person ideally will do that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of customers, you mentioned customers earlier and I was actively listening. <laughs> awesome. Talk, <laughs> talk to me a little about how if you're in some kind of sale or support or customer-facing role or retail, you name it. I mean, a lot of us have customers. How can active listening help with that? Well, I think you gave a really good example of the product manager who interviewed you, and they really dove deep into what your problems are and you know to be able to come up with a solution. And I think it's a similar kind of thing. You want to, you know, you want to really find out where the customer pain is. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to come up with solutions, right? So active listening helps to facilitate the creative process mm-hmm. and and to really creatively solve problems. You know, we've basically shown how active listening can help you in whatever you do, which is fabulous. But Kat, not everyone's a great communicator. And if mm-hmm. I'm trying to active listen and pull stuff out of you, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's pulling teeth or someone's just not a good communicator. Mm-hmm. Then what do you do? Well, I think when someone isn't a strong communicator and and you know that going into a conversation, you probably want to be prepared to, you know, to clearly lay out the vision and then clearly ask questions. It's your job to really make sure that the person understands. So, mm-hmm. you know, you might want to ask questions that encourage them to paraphrase back to you. So, you know, let's just make sure we're on the same page. Tell me the top three points that you see here. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, one of the things that you can do is ask questions in different ways. Mm -hmm. And if they answer the question partially, praise them for, you know, say, oh, that's great. You know, you've got those first two points. The other point is point three. Mm -hmm. And then you lay out point three. Mm -hmm. So after a conversation like that with someone who you feel is maybe struggling a little bit with communication, that's when follow up email about the meeting Mm -hmm. is is going to be your best friend. It'll help you to, if it's a project and you've got deliverables, then you can kind of summarize the project and what was discussed in the meeting, as well as share what the deliverables are, who's responsible for them and a timeline, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you follow up with an email like that, that's going to increase the chances of success for that person who is a little bit more challenged on the communication side because you lay it all out there for them and the expectations are in writing, which is super helpful. And I love what you said about what are your three reactions? And I think when someone's not a good communicator, you have to narrow your questions Mm -hmm. and make them really specific to get something. Mm -hmm. And then you can follow up on that. So did you think that that blog was well-written? No. What didn't you think, what should we have communicated in that? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it should have been clearer what you were talking about. And then you mm-hmm. keep going off of that. So you're what allowing missing? them. Yeah. yeah, what was missing? Mm-hmm. You you keep answering, asking questions. They may answer in snippets, but it's up to you as the better communicator in the duo to be pulling it out. And you, you might need a nap after, but... <laughs> 
you're yanking out the information because it's probably in there. There's a reason the person's on the team, et cetera. But you are going to have to work harder with a poor communicator and ask more direct questions versus the vague question that may get the better answer. Mm -hmm. So Liz, we've been talking about meetings. We've been talking about in writing. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about your take on using active listening on social. Nice social. Well, oi, oi, social. You can get yourself in a heap of trouble on social. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to know your audience. We could do about 17,000 episodes on social <laughs> media. But in terms of active listening, it goes back to the same premises of knowing your audience, mm-hmm. knowing what you're trying to convey. And especially, I'd like to break this down a little bit and say, active listening on social for work. So when your mm-hmm. social media is more work heavy than, you know, I'm in the Bravo TV fan club and I'm, you know, talking about the latest episode of Southern Charm or something, go for it. But actively listening when someone's tweeting or Facebooking or putting something out there with a work topic opinion What are they trying to get at? And will my nugget of information add or detract from the conversation? Mm, That's a really good question. That's a good question to ask yourself, right? Is this going to add or not? And does this, my answer, establish me as a knowledgeable person or a bozo brain? (laughs) So there was a conversation today about someone was kind of questioning what is defined as a woman in tech, And I Mm. thought that was an interesting question because we think of women in tech as being female engineers and those folks. Mm -hmm. Somewhat, again, other topic for another day. But I wrote, I thought about it for a minute and I said, well, I'm a recruiter in tech and I'm not technical, but I certainly know a lot of lingo after doing this for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And so I consider myself a woman in tech because I work with tech companies all day. Absolutely tidbit wasn't somewhere else in the conversation mm-hmm. and food for thought for whomever wanted to think. But she was starting a conversation. I had something unique to add. So I added it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good question to ask yourself though. Is this something that's going to add to the conversation mm-hmm. or detract? Mm-hmm. And if it's going to detract, think twice. Please. Yeah. And, and that goes to all your social. I'm not going to let <laughs> that one stick to work social because oh yeah. yeah. I agree that. And so we'd love to hear more about how you incorporate active listening into your work or your regular life. Send us your stories and your thoughts and your successes and how you've adopted better listening practices. We'd love to share them. Absolutely. And if you want to learn more about active listening and leadership in general, I highly recommend the book, Tell Me More by Michael Sherlock. It's a solid book on leadership but it's told in story form. So it's a really easy read, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's packed with good, actionable information. So, you know, active listening really helps empower others and establishes trust and is going to make you more effective. So it's worth it to, you know, do a little bit more research and to just start practicing, start practicing, Mm -hmm. asking more questions and practicing, releasing some of those distractions and just kind of see, you know, see for yourself how that impacts you. 
Mm-hmm. Get the style that works for you. Don't yes. try to be cat communicating. Be yourself communicating. Yeah, we got you. Got to do you. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, you do you, and we'll say goodbye until next time. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beeks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a Tech Reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you.